You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 286, we're discussing Shang-Chi, what's going on in Star Wars, and our first look at Aquaman 2. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And we have the astute pleasure of having one of our very good friends sitting in the seat this week, Zeddy from Vigilante 1939. My dude, my brother, how are you? Oh, I'm so happy to be here with my guys. What's happening? I, uh, it's only as if I had a Bud Light here. Unfortunately, I do not. But I got a lot, a lot of thoughts for you guys, as always. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, man, our pleasure. Absolutely. No, it is not a live stream. No, it is not a Wednesday or a Friday night. It is just your everyday Nerd Room episode with a very special guest. So, guys, we got a lot to talk about this week. No, we're not doing our Shang-Chi review but you're going to hear a little bit of that we're talking the box office and carlos and zeddy here are also going to walk you through a spoiler free discussion about that film how they saw it how they're feeling coming off it and what they thought about it being an origin story a new origin story inside of the mcu we're also going to talk about aquaman first look here at some of the new suits that are going to be donned by jason momoa and a very castaway looking Patrick Wilson, and also Star Wars, a topic that we love, that we know, that is always on the tip of the tongue, except for the past four months or so, where there hasn't been a lot of Star Wars talk here inside of the nerd room. So we're going to break down what's going on inside of Star Wars, including the Book of Boba Fett, the Bad Batch Season 2, and what it looks like inside of Disney Plus for 2022. But guys, we got a little bit of a change here again as we slowly evolve the format of this show and we're rebranding this weekend nerd to our new section that we're going to be having at the top here of each and every episode and you're going to get our collecting discussion in our weekend nerd at the end of the episode so make sure you stay tuned for that we've all got some fun plastic to talk about a little later on the episode but let's get into it guys let's get into this week in nerd With this week in Nerd Guys, we are going to be talking about the latest and greatest news from the nerd world. And we're kicking it off here with a little bit of the beyond. And that's Matrix for Resurrections. A film, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, that I did not have any anticipation for until today as we sat down to record with the first bit of viral marketing going out to the world and the tease of a trailer that is dropping this coming Thursday. So as this episode drops. So... Let's bring Zeddy right into the conversation here. Get him into the thick of things here. Matrix 4, is this on your radar? And what are you thinking about this little tease they put out there with John Wick, or sorry, Matrix 4 Resurrections? Timbo, gotta be honest with you, all I heard was the word beyond, and you sent me right into a stratosphere, my guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was completely taken away by just this teaser trailer alone. This was the one that I know some folks over at CinemaCon were raving about, like, the trailer for this thing. And I, I know I think it's coming Thursday of this week. But uh, I'm in. I mean, you said it yourself. That's really the selling point. You know, John Wick back into the Matrix. Keanu Reeves, Yael Bill-Mateen, who's just on a massive tear right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie, I think, for the most part, is going to sell itself. I know uh, I generally love the first 
few Matrix films. Some of them are hit or miss. I know the first one is really, really uh, high up there uh, for a lot of people's lists. And this is definitely going to be one of those, you know, did we need this movie? That I don't know quite yet. But uh, I think the teaser is going to do a great job at hopefully selling the movie to people. It looks like it looks intense as hell. Uh, It looks Mm -hmm. like it's going to be another visual masterpiece. And this is still striking it. It is going to be one of those HBO Max uh, day and date releases so that's also something to keep in mind too but i'm i'm into this you know hopefully the trailer delivers yeah i'm right there with you you know it's been a long time since we've revisited the matrix and coming off of it with such a hiatus there is that tendency for people to forget about it and maybe we need to go back and revisit some of this stuff but carlos red blue blue pill well what are you taking here are you going into into reality are you sticking with the norm here Oh man, I uh, I took that red pill and uh, Yaya's Morpheus took me away. Like man, I I was a pretty big Matrix honk when it first came out. Like I was just the perfect age and went into that movie just for a Friday movie night. Didn't have any idea what to expect and was blown away. And man, I I was back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I was I might have been using Spotify instead of Napster, <laughs> but I watched that trailer and I was listening to that the hotel lobby music and all those like uh, all those jams from like the Matrix and Matrix Reloaded soundtracks and yeah, man, it, like I was in the middle of my workday. It was all I could do to not put on like the movies or throw on mm. the animatrix or something of that nature just to get back in there. But uh, I had zero hype for this thing. And now yeah. I cannot wait to get my butt into the theater to watch it. So <laughs> yeah, kudos to them. The viral marketing and the messaging in there was amazing. Mm. Like how they kind of played with you a bit and the things with like the clock and oh, whatnot. Yeah. Don't um, spoil that. It's very cool. Make sure you go on and check this this viral marketing website out yourself because both times I was like, whoa. <laughs> I know it's fairly straightforward and simple, but it was very jarring the first time. Yeah, so it, it's cool. Like it's, uh, you know, it, being on HBO Max with the hybrid release, I don't know if they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot because I think that they would have had an unexpected hit on their hands mm-hmm. because... I'm sure we're not the only three who were unexpectedly blown away by this trailer, but uh, by the same token, maybe The Matrix is a meta commentary on the fact that we are moving into this digital streaming space. So, <laughs> yeah, well, however I can watch it, I'll be watching it. You know what? Like you guys said, and I think I said at the top there, not even on my radar. I couldn't even tell you the release date for it before this teaser trailer, and now I'm mm. I'm thinking, yeah, I need to see this. And how I see it, where I see it, when I see it is a big question mark. But I'm more excited about this film than I am about a lot of other stuff that's even been pushed out and delayed. And so I'm happy that we're going to see this film inside of this year. And it's crazy that this is the first piece of marketing we got because I haven't thought about this film since I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So good on them. So guys, go check out the Matrix viral marketing. Just go to anywhere on Twitter. Click that link and you'll see it. Get hyped. Trailer's coming. Day this episode drops, so make sure you check that out because I'm sure we're going to have some things to talk about in the coming weeks on The Matrix Resurrections as we build into the release of this film. And now, another film that's getting some early release material from its production, a movie that we're anticipating to see a little bit from over at Fandom on October 16th, and that is Aquaman 2. 
James Wan is out there showing photos again, capturing the narrative inside of the DC universe and giving the fans a nice close high res look at what Aquaman suits, both the normal suit, I think jazzed up a little bit from the, the last film, a stealth suit, and also showing where I guess Orem, Patrick Wilson's character, has gone post Aquaman. So Carlos, you digging the new look here for Aquaman. And I know you love the commentary around DC snagging the narrative and, and leading the charge on this, hopefully well into DC fandom, because we know what can be done with 25% of a movie shot. They're going to might hopefully have a little bit more of that done here with Aquaman. So how you feeling about this one? Man, I, I friggin' love it. And like you said, like capturing the narrative, the very first thing they put out wasn't a picture of the stealth suit. Because they know people are going to get all precious and start freaking out. <laughs> they show pictures of both suits in one post and make it very clear that the second suit is a stealth suit. And the story is going to be going into Lost Kingdoms and probably the trench and things of that nature. Or going into the Zebel stuff. All of which could um, necessitate Arthur being a little less... Uh, regal <laughs> then float floating around down there with his uh shiny golden armor so yeah stealth suit makes sense there is comic book precedent for it like he did have some uh blue hued costumes in the maybe even late 80s early 90s yeah. type of thing and uh yeah that's cool that's cool the deep cut stuff like you said um season the narrative and making sure that they're not kind of backpedaling afterwards by releasing a picture of the stealth suit and people freaking out about the gold suit not being there mm. or anything else. So yeah, man, I, it's cool. And the fact that they officially released this, this close to fandom mm. tells me that fandom is going to have more stuff than I think we're even anticipating. Yeah. Like if the Aquaman suit, which is a pretty big deal is something you can use to just take a bit of the pressure off. Oh, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, one of the things we always say about suits is we need to see them in action. And I think this is just that that precursor image, that prelude to DC fandom for Aquaman 2. Because I think we're going to see Arthur Curry just swimming around and just showing off these new suits. Zeddy, man, not only the hype is real for DC fandom, but as we built here with Aquaman, and again, another character that I... I can honestly say that I've never been so enthralled with, but as we mm. build into this big event that's coming, I'm getting more and more excited, especially with the way that they are taking to The Rock's way of really promoting these films and, and going directly to the fans themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I first off, you know, I love what James Wan did just instantly releasing the pictures himself. You know, we didn't have to go through the whole leak thing. Like, like we've done with Shazam and The Flash and some <laughs> other films. So just kudos to him to really getting a jump on it. I think he looks like a badass. I mean, Jason Momoa is everybody's favorite bro. I know I've said that before. Uh, so the more I see Jason Momoa in roles, it's like the more I just see Jason Momoa. I don't see Aquaman. Uh, so this one's going to be tough. But, I mean, he looks super cool. I love James Wan digging into the lore. That's exciting. I mean, going into the 80s now. For Aquaman, who would have ever said that? I mean, the first movie is a triumph uh, for DC and just what it did for that franchise. So hopefully, I'm going to assure that James Wan's going to try to replicate success and try to match the just iconic legacy of what that 
orange and green suit did on the big screen. I'm sure he's going to try to make that stealth suit look as cool. So hopefully he's able to pull it off. And I know this one's another one of those. Yeah, hopefully we do see some more of it at fandom. I know it's scheduled to be released as of right now, at least at the end of next year. So uh, it's nice to see that the wheels are, are moving over with Aquaman. So I'd say bring it on. Mm-hmm. And it's another DC film in production as well which is very exciting on top of everything that is rap production, everything that is incomplete in the hopper ready for a debut, specifically that Batman film in March of next year. So very, very excited about all of that. So Aquaman, hopefully we'll see some of that. We talked last week, guys head back an episode there about a lot of the teases coming out of DC fandom and some of the expectations that are set. And as this event grows closer and closer, it's getting bigger and bigger. I think you're right, Carlos, in stating that, this is going to be a lot larger than we anticipated. This isn't just going to be Black Adam and the Batman trailers. This is going to be, I think, a full, proper look at their entire film slate that's been announced through 2022 at a minimum, maybe even beyond that. Well, I think you got it, right? Because like you said, they've got so much stuff in production and in the can that they're in a position that they've never been in, mm-hmm. in that they have things that they haven't announced yet (laughs) (laughs) and things that they've actually made, which is kind of cool, kind of cool. So yeah, kudos to Walter and the crew. Yeah. It's looking very good. Now (laughs) there you go. Like, right, right. (laughs) We we, we live in, in in quite a world right now. (laughs) (laughs) And the world that we are, that we are living in. No, it is not the matrix that I am aware of. Now we could be proven wrong here down the road, but we also live in a world where Shang-Chi has become the largest film or one of the largest films of the, the now pandemic era with an enormous haul at the box office, putting a lot of naysayers to rest here. People went out in droves to see this huge Marvel epic leading the way out of and into phase four. I'm really digging what I'm seeing here. All the positive buzz online and really a lot of the buzz around Simu Liu in that title role of Shang-Chi. Now, he has always been a major advocate for this film, early days even putting himself out there to play this character. And here we are talking about the weekend after of its release and the great success that it has seen. So it took a $75 million haul at the box office, well outpacing that 40 to $50 million industry prediction that it would do inside of the pandemic era. To be honest with you, again, I'm shocked it did this big, not because I didn't have confidence in Shang-Chi, because I thought people would be more conservative about, about the Delta wave. But it appears mm-hmm. it doesn't matter a whole bunch right now. And it seems that Marvel movies are really anchoring the theatrical experience and the return to theaters hopefully that continues but this film not only taking that 75 million dollars but topping out the memorial day or up here in canada the labor day long weekend not memorial day what was it oh but it's both labor day isn't it what do you guys call it down there yeah labor Labor day Day. so it is memorial (laughs) is may (laughs) so it is labor day previously held the record previously held by i believe a halloween movie somewhere in the range Mm -hmm. of 30 to 40 million dollar take and this one outperforms that at $83 million, almost $84 million over that four-day-long weekend. So blowing out of the water, and it was 2007's Halloween, the $30 million take. So this is a game-changer again. This is an origin film of a brand-new character inside of the MCU. And 
again, I haven't seen it yet, and the guy's going to detail just a little bit of spoiler free, but presumably there's not the the same sort of ties that Captain America had or Iron Man in these films. So it is setting itself up its own foundation inside of the established MCU. But the effects of this, I think, are, are going to be quite significant on the film industry and the theatric experience because pre-Shang-Chi, we had Paramount moving around their films again, pushing Mission Impossible and Top Gun Maverick to new release dates. So Maverick, Top Gun Maverick moves from this year all the way to May 27th of 2022. That's Memorial Day long weekend in the US. And Mission Impossible 7 moving from that Memorial Day slot to September 30th. So over a year away before we get to see Mission Impossible 7, they also pushed out Jackass Forever from this year, October, to February of next year now sony responded by pushing ghostbusters afterlife a week to scoop up some of those top gun mavericks imax showings so that's now showing november 17th so that's what's going on pre shang chi so just before that release so that was september 2nd they actually announced a lot of that september 3rd shang chi comes out has an incredible weekend here now post shang chi here's the knockout effects venom let there be carnage who has been yo-yoing around the release schedule now finds itself being released on october 1st so jumping up about 14 days there and really trying to capture some of that shang chi hype some of that audience for another marvel film and not waiting any longer to get this thing to theaters a couple other films that are on the horizon here that we're going to see likely some carry-on effects for eternals no way home no time to die so so, Zeddy, coming back to you on this one, we've seen the effects pre and post Shang-Chi. We've seen all this success inside of Shang-Chi. Is there any sort of commentary you want to add to this and what this could do for films like Eternals and what this means for a film like Shang-Chi? Uh, I mean, I give Shang-Chi all the credit in the, in the world for, you know, just what it had, you know, just to climb in general. I mean, this was a film that, like you said, Tim, you know, doesn't have the biggest mainstream talent behind it i mean it's a mainly let all asian cast so it is one of those that yes it is the power of the mcu that i guess continues to bring people to theaters i guess continues to be the saving grace of theaters i guess is the mcu uh right now but i'm with you you know it's very interesting the domino effect that is still going on right now because i'm still one of those people that you know people were going to see what they wanted to see pre-pandemic and now they're still going to see what they want to see in pandemic Mm -hmm. probably post pandemic so i think a lot of studios right now are just in kind of that panic mode and rightfully so i would be too but i also think that i don't think it's as big of a factor as maybe a lot of them might think i think right now you know theaters we all know it we're kind of starting to see a little bit of a a decline kind of regardless so it all just depends on what you want to go see right i mean i think this year still has a lot of really interesting blockbuster films no time to die dune eternals Ghostbusters Afterlife, Venom 2. So it's, there certainly is interest. I think there's intrigue for the most part, but it's just, it all comes down to, you know, what people want to see and are they willing to go out to go see it? You know, we, we've dealt with streaming for the most part of the better half of last year and leading into this year. So that's another factor to keep into consideration. But I guess to answer your uh, question, Tim, you know, I think Shang-Chi, the success of Shang-Chi, I guess, the early success of it, I should say, is definitely a good sign, I think, for this year. I don't know what the good sign is for next year. Um, 
we'll probably have to see maybe some of the later films but the fact that a movie like shang chi was able to be as successful right now as it was i think does speak volumes that there is still an interest for people to come back out and see these these movies regardless of what it is if they're interested don't come out for it if you make it Mm. they will come yeah (laughs) no i think that's exactly it and the proof in the pudding here is going to be the second weekend for shang chi especially when it comes to maybe Scarlett Johansson's case against Disney here about the second week in drop-off. Most of these films have seen quite a substantial drop-off. And you're right in pointing out, I think the Marvel brand gets people there, but I believe that Shang-Chi is keeping people there. You kind of look back at this, and what would this film have done pre-pandemic, right? Like, I haven't seen it yet, and I don't miss Marvel films. And I'm assuming there's other people out there that are like me that are a bit more hesitant or, or waiting for the right opportunity to go see the film where I feel comfortable and I actually enjoy the film that's sitting in front of me as opposed to worrying about the dude who's next to me that I don't know. So yeah, great, great response from people. And I really like what you said. People are just going to see what they want to see. And so everything is almost just shifted a little bit, right? And I think as long as the theaters are open in a in a mainstream capacity, people are going to go see the big films. I do question things like Dune and all that, like how well will that film do? Because these Marvel films are four quadrant films. Everyone is going to see them. Dune, maybe not. Radar films, maybe not as much. So Carlos, talk to me here about, about this box office and not like I said with Zeddy, not only the success of Shang-Chi, but also kind of the knock-on effects that we're seeing. And, you know, will No Time to Die and will Dune see similar success or are they going to suffer because they're not broadly appealing films that seem to be having the most success? Space Jam, Free Guy, Shang-Chi, Black Widow, you know, the, these are films that are having relatively, and I say relatively, relatively reasonable success at the box office because they were relatively broad, appealing films. Yeah, well, you're bringing in all four quadrants with those movies, right? So instead of selling one ticket to a guy who wants to go see Tenant, you're selling four tickets for that same guy to now bring his wife and his mm-hmm. kids to one of the four quadrant movies. I, I do think that, like, the biggest thing with Shang-Chi is that it was only available in theaters. Mm-hmm. So that's what got people there. Like Dune won't do the same numbers because anybody who's remotely hesitant about mm-hmm. the Delta variant is going to just stay and watch it on HBO Max if you're in one of the territories that uh, provides it. So yeah, it, it makes sense. I think the the real test will be no time to die mm-hmm. and to see how that one does like that's a extremely big and pretty hyped movie and stuff like that so yeah you go and you do have like that generation of just kind of diehard marvel fans right that'll just go see anything that they slap that logo on so um yeah good on shang chi i'm glad that it did what it did to kind of firm up the release schedule like yeah, Paramount, you played yourself. You moved your movies that were already at risk of getting lost into mm-hmm. a very crowded 2022. And like, quite frankly, I think that a movie like Top Gun or Dune should have just looked at the box office from this weekend and dropped their film, like, honestly, this Friday or next yeah. Friday. And yep. that's kind of what Venom did because, mm-hmm. like, Shang-Chi had, like, a good month where there was no competition. So Sony kind of screwed over the rest of their Disney partners by moving Venom up a couple of weeks type of thing. But um, it, it's a better date for that movie too. Cause it was stuck between 
No Time to Die and uh, and Dune in that spot. So it's a better date for Venom. I, I don't know that there's any kind of like let's have this Marvel parade kind of thing. I think it's more just like they were going to get eaten to, into on the front end by No Time to Die and they were going to get eaten into on the back end by Dune, especially in that HB or um, sorry, IMAX space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's good. I'm glad that the movie performed because if it didn't, there would have been a ton more moves to 2022 and um, things of that nature. So yeah, uh, like we need to just get this backlog of movies out in front of eyeballs and let people experience them and just move on to the next thing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. bond delayed so long that they're in a position where they have to make a billion dollars to just (laughs) pay the interest on that stupid film. So (laughs) it's not going to happen. Like frankly speaking, there's no way. I don't even know if pre-pandemic it does that money again, but these Marvel films aren't going to touch those numbers inside of this year, I don't think. But we shall see. And and I like your point there about things firming up. And this is the first leap forward we've actually seen in a film in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I think they're right to do it. Let's get it out there because you know you put it further and further back, and it runs the risk of running into theater closures which I don't know if they're ever going to be on the horizon in the same capacity they were, but there's a lot of unknowns at the end of this year. But what this does show us is that people will come out for, for those films like you, you so eloquently put there, there Zeddy. So let's talk a little bit about Shang-Chi. Now, again, guys, spoiler free. We're going to have our spoiler review next week here in the nerd room. You can also go check out the Vigilante 1939 review, which is in their feed right now. Spoiler review of that. But let's uh, let's just I don't want to take any of the air out of, of Carlo, the Carlos led Shang-Chi review next week. So I just kind of want to get your guys general feeling walking out of the theater. Carlos, how did you feel about this? You got to experience it with Troy and Sanjay. You found Sanjay. I did. Yes. <laughs> proof of life. We have proof he's, of life, folks. He's he's alive. So how did you feel walking out of the theater from this one? You know, last week we you and I kind of tempered our expectations because you know, it just wasn't the same level of hype as as previous films had been. But you walking out of the theater, not only having the experience with the guys, but being in a full theater again too. Yeah, and that was that was weird, man. Like that that full theater, it, it's one of those. Like in our province, they let the binders off everything, so it was a free for all. So, you know, it, it's no fault to the exhibitor or the audience. It was just, yeah, we're in quote-unquote regular times regardless of what the realities of the world are (laughs) and uh yeah and and that was that but um yeah it was it was cool man like i i really liked it a lot more than i thought i would and i disliked it a little more than i thought i would and we will certainly get into that but um no spoilers but simu lu totally sold me like he carries that movie um on wings like he is a charming dude and you can't wait to see more of him when you're leaving that theater so yeah he's he's great and he, he makes the experience worth it type of thing so awesome awesome how about you zeddy man how was how was shang chi just general reactions coming out of that one yeah i mean my reaction you know to movie is similar to kind of like what i experienced in blackwood you know it was just great to be back in a theater with a communal experience i have not felt that in, in, a, in a long time and like we've kind of just said in our last discussion you know people come out for the mcu so it was nice to be in a semi-packed 
you know, theater for over by me. It, it was, it just, it felt nice. You know, like when those Marvel credits roll and you're ready to watch a movie, there is truly nothing like mm-hmm. it right now. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I had a blast with this movie. Uh, it, like I said initially, you know, it had such a uphill battle to climb. Aquafina was the biggest star in that movie beforehand. And I don't know, many people may not still know who she is, but she was the biggest star out of that whole cast that I certainly knew. So that, and honestly, she was the most compelling character of that movie for me, if I'm being blunt. Now, Simulu absolutely knocks it out of the park. I certainly hope this guy is an Avenger uh, to come, or certainly one of the rising stars of the MCU to come, uh, for sure. I think the MCU needs him. I think he has that natural leader, uh, natural-born charisma presence about him. And uh, honestly, the way that this thing just utilized fantasy and mythology, I just really dug. It was such a fresh different just comic book movie you know people clamored that we tend to get the same thing with the mcu and this one was not the same thing that we got i would argue you know it certainly swung for the fences and i think there's a lot to appreciate about it so if you're willing to go to the theater i definitely check this one out and hopefully you'll have a fan favorite in the mcu awesome awesome well my plan right now is to actually go to the theater tomorrow over lunch maybe a little extended lunch (laughs) <laughs> to see <laughs> that's one hell of a lunch hour <laughs> we'll see we'll see if it pans out here but that is my plan right now and like i said you guys can go over to vigilante 939 check out their review but also take a pissed off back here inside of the nerve and check out our review which hopefully has sunji on it he has kind of half committed to doing a film review with us for shang chi so you might get all four of us and you might just get carlos Troy and myself talking about the next big MCU film before we get to the next one and Hawkeye and the one after that. So we've got a lot to talk about inside of the Marvel space in the next few weeks and then also in the DC space coming into December. But a topic that we have not touched on a lot here inside of the nerd room for quite some time is Star Wars. We're all big fans of that. We've touched on The Bad Batch over the past couple of weeks. I've yet to finish that. We just had this wonderful Star Wars Galleries episode posted on the making of the season two finale of The Mandalorian. And we've got a lot of information actually slowly trickling out, a lot of rumors, nothing quite official yet on where Star Wars is living. And that's inside of Disney Plus with shows like The Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian Season 3, Andor and obi-wan it's not going to be until the end of 2023 where we get a star wars film on the big screen but we're going to get a ton of content inside of 2021 and 2022 the back half year of 21 i should say so did you guys have an, a chance i know carlos you don't really like watching these things but did you watch zeddy season two the making of season two finale on disney galleries yeah man that's uh talk about bringing that star wars feel back over to you man that 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 gets you uh yeah i mean you know just point blank i mean you know we we've been talking about the mandalorian for over a year now we've had discussions and breakdowns over it we know that just the power of star wars is seeing just a bigger renaissance than it ever has before Mm -hmm. so you know star wars right now may not seem like it's in the conversation but you know it's always in the conversation, and it'll it'll be back here in full swing before we all know it. But just, uh, yeah, that was just a beautiful, just well-done tale on, you know, why you should love Star Wars, why you don't love Star Wars, you should. And 
Uh, it's just getting you back into the feel of it because, like you said, Tim, I mean, we only got like 200 Disney Plus shows coming in the pipeline in the next just <laughs> four years alone. So, I mean, Star Wars is going to be here and it, it's and it's back. I mean, I, I'm i hyped for Boba, but I completely forgot that that show was still coming out at the end of this year. And it's not that I'm not interested. It's that so much has still came this year. So it's it's going to start with Boba and it's not going to stop from there. No, we've had this, what feels like a year-long hiatus inside of the live action. Yes, we've had the Bad Batch and Visions is coming here in a couple of weeks over on Disney+. Plus. But that, that big gap was is, is quite substantial for Star Wars, especially the Disney era of Star Wars, where we're getting basically a film a year or every two years with stuff in between, Rogue One and, and Solo being those in-between films. And now this Disney gallery thing for me, I went from selling a bunch of Star Wars stuff here in the nerd room over the last week or so to buying a whole bunch just because of that episode. It it hit me in all of the nostalgia spots on my body when it comes to Star Wars. And if you ever have any question of the creatives inside of Star Wars, just go watch this episode and you will see the love, passion of everyone from Kathleen Kennedy through to Favreau, Filoni, Peyton, Reed, even Mark Hamill. Like the, the love and, and just care they've put into this show in particular and what they're putting into Star Wars in general is really on display here. The technology and what they're using to really amplify these Disney Plus series to make you feel like you're having that theatrical experience. The division between TV and film does not exist anymore, in my opinion. It is all part of the same thing. The technology, the money, the the creatives, the, the people delivering the performances, the actors, actresses, it's all the same. It's the, the, There's no differentiating between the two of them. You don't have, because it's on streaming, it's not a DVD bin toss away. These are these are legit, and they're, they're putting the effort into, like Star Wars has done, like Lucasfilm has always done, they're putting the effort into advancing the technology to make sure they can produce the best product. This is Skywalker sound. This is ILM. Everything that they're doing there is advancing the stuff that we're going to be seeing on Disney Plus on streaming services for the foreseeable future. So go check that out. That I have got goosebumps thinking about some of the Mark Hamill stuff in there. To be honest with you, Carlos, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna break it, if you're gonna peek behind the curtain a little, this is probably one to check out. No, Tim, those characters are real, <laughs> and they keep putting out these shows that keep making it seem like it's just these movie people that are putting them on films but no i know that they're real and that grogu is a living breathing entity and uh i don't want to have these guys telling me otherwise so. well that's fair and you have the the closest <laughs> thing to the real life grogu in your house right now. <laughs> that, that i do yes <laughs> so of course did you did you finish up bad batch oh yeah man that was uh that was appointment viewing for us like even uh if we were busy or like meetings at work or i had to go into the office like the kid was firing up that alarm to <laughs> make sure that we got that uh, viewing of the show in as soon as possible type of thing so yeah we we did the whole season and uh, me kind of being more on the periphery and just being kind of the 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 financier of uh, star wars <laughs> fandom although I, I do love it in my own right uh, I, I quite liked the bad batch it, it was it was pretty good it got a little bit formulaic uh, at times, and I, I kind of got the sense that they were holding back all the things that they wanted to do in anticipation of a season two. But 
on the whole, it was it was fairly enjoyable. I I liked it all the way through. I think there was maybe two episodes that I had a hard time sitting through, and surprise surprise, they involved the the Spice Sisters Ooh, yeah. from uh, the last season of the Clone Wars. So. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard. I had a little commentary at my house this past weekend on the the Spice Sisters there. Yes. <laughs> so you you mentioned season two. Clone Force ninety nine will be back with the season two. They announced that right after I believe the season finale that they were were coming back to Disney Plus inside of twenty twenty two with another season of the Bad Batch. So very exciting there. I haven't quite got through it yet. Zeddy, were you tuning into to the Bad Batch every Wednesday? Uh not every Wednesday. I still got a little bit to catch up, but I mean it's uh the quality is certainly there you know it's a it's a fresh new Mm -hmm. product for star wars it certainly lets you know that star wars is still here uh, and it's still going on and right now disney plus for me has really yet to miss so that's even on the animation department that's very very it's very very just weird i mean the level of successes that they've been able to hit consistently is unreal and that's the, the thing too i like about bad batch and them announcing a season two and even going into this vision stuff at the end of September here is that animation has always been an important piece of the stories universe. And it continues to be that. I think that's the important thing with the bad batch is that there's a lot of stories, a lot of canonical stories that are contained inside of some very serious animation with the clone wars and rebels led by Dave Filoni, who is now leading the charge here in story and in creative on things like the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett. So there's, there's a lot of continuity that they're building even inside of their own creative when they're stretching out this universe and they seem to have really found their footing. I, this whole break from the film universe and concentrating on telling some of these longer form stories inside of Disney Plus has really benefited them, I think. And that's going to bleed out into the book of Boba Fett. Now, if you guys remember the history of the Vigilante 1939 and the Nerd Room podcast, a lot of it comes down to, in a big way, our first big crossover, which was a live stream wrap up of the Mandalorian season two finale. And we've got big plans going forward here. And I'm looking forward to this as much as we are, or as much as I am for the book of Boba Fett, is our our launch of each one of these live-action Disney shows inside of Marvel and Star Wars. But Zeddy, you know, outside of the excitement for the next big crossover live stream, that we're, that being for the MCU stuff, because we've got our own show, Four Questions About Phantom Guys, dropping September 17th, live stream, Vigilante 1939 and nerd room crossover but outside of that what are you looking forward to here in in both book of Boba Fett coming at the end of december i mean i'm just looking to get like just ingrained back into the character i mean you know boba fett for so many years was not everybody's favorite star wars character he was my best friend nico's favorite star wars character and that was always enough for me to want to be interested in the character but i mean just i mean you literally cannot deny that seeing you know tamara morris and just in the Mandalorian, just doing his thing and kicking a whole lot of butt and just teaming up with Mando. That how does that not get you light hype just to see this character? And if you weren't mm-hmm. interested in this character, mm-hmm. it probably at least at the very least makes you want to tune in to look at his character again and just the whole like anti-hero just approach to this that they're going with the show. I I'm just into it. It's just you know whether it's a crime heist or just a thriller Star Wars show or just another just fantasy adventure with Boba Fett. I mean, I'm into this thing. So he's he's uh, he's really, you know, been in, a, uh, I guess, in Star Wars mainstream as of late and rightfully so. Hopefully he's a character that people fall in love with. I'm certainly hyped to see him again. So 
And I got no reason to believe that this show isn't going to be at the quality of Mandalorian mm. and what else is to come. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that that end few episodes of The Mandalorian justified a lot of the love that people like myself and Nico had for this character. And some would say unjustifiable love for a character that has basically an extended cameo inside of the Star Wars universe film universe i will say or what is now canon you know i know outside in the legend stuff he had a lot of legacy built into him there but this character on screen maybe six seven minutes i don't even know how long he's actually on screen for but now he's back in a major way with tamora morrison coming to that role not back to that role but to that role and filling in some of that legacy which i really do appreciate now robert rodriguez who is i don't believe he's a showrunner but he's directing a few episodes he directed that episode inside of the mandalorian where we had the debut of tamora morrison's mando inside of the armor now he had a few things to say to collider a couple weeks ago and he's getting pumped for this thing coming out in december and he added, wait until you see what we have coming. It's going to blow your mind. That's all I can say. I can talk it up all I want because I know it over delivers. Carlos, does this put the bar too high for Star Wars fans? <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, dangerous things to say to that particular group of fans because <laughs> I think that this show is going to be uh, something very specific. I, I don't know exactly what that'll be. But I think it'll have its own direction and where it's going to land. And when you say something like that, people will have all sorts of visions of what the show could be and create their own headcanon. And then we have this weird dynamic now with fandoms where when we see something, there's a group of people that when the thing that the creatives made doesn't match their headcanon, <laughs> they get all up in arms. And the Star Wars fans are by far the worst for that. So... Yeah, man. For me, I'm hyped. Like I, I like um, <laughs> what Robert Rodriguez did with the with that one episode, and I I've always dug his sensibilities in film. So uh, I'm sure this will be right up my alley. And the fact that Boba Fett went back to Tatooine is pretty interesting, and that he takes Jabba's oh, throne. Yeah. That kind of like, as everybody knows, like that's the Star Wars stuff that I like. The kind of grassroots. Uh, ground level type of thing and with the gangster stories that I'm sure will be told with this yeah I'm all in man mm -hmm. book of Boba Fett let's go yeah we've been told it's a revenge story so him going back at the end of Mandalorian to Tatooine to Jabba the Hutt only makes sense that, that that's where they're going to kick this thing off and there's some discussion too around him changing up his armor his look a little bit now his armor defines him inside of the Star Wars universe. So much so that we saw the upgrade to that armor at the end of Mando Season 3 be a big piece of who he is. You know, outside of the Slave 1, it's that green Boba Fett armor. So if we do see an evolution of Mr. Fett's armor here, Zeddy, is, is that going to be a bit jarring for you? Or is it possible they could use this as a way... Because we have heard that they're going to be telling the story somewhat with flashbacks so is this maybe going to be a way where we can differentiate between present day or present day inside of that story and the boba fett that we're going to see i believe in between empire strikes back and return of the jedi so setting the scene for some of this revenge take that we're going to see so fett with new armor are you cool with that evolution uh, I mean, it probably makes him a little more cooler i'd say if anything but you know i think what made boba so just striking was you know he wasn't a man of 
heavy artillery. You know, he was a guy just of combat and, you know, heavy machinery, whatever you want to call it. So I think it's not that, you know, the armor didn't make him who he was. It was just that he was a cool guy with striking features and nice combat skills that was able to get him out of certain situations. I think that's the part that makes him cool. And hopefully that those aspects of his character are still Mm -hmm. there. Um, like, you know, I get it. You know, it's 2021, 2022. Technology is obviously advanced, so why not use some of that budget to make him look a little more refined? But, you know, I think we probably should have expected this. You know, Mando got constant upgrades almost every other episode, yeah. it felt. So it's just, I think it's just part of the way the way it goes. But, you know, hopefully uh, Boba being a little bit more raw is still true to his character. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to see much on the character traits change. But they got to sell some of that plastic to people like myself. So changing up the armor, I do think that they will likely stick with something that is recognizable. But amping it up a little bit and and giving me another Black Series figure or two to pick up, as you're going to hear about our week in Nerd here, I I have ventured that direction twice this weekend after saying I'm selling a bunch of stuff. So hook, line, and sinker when it comes to the action figures and the look of the Mando Carlos is it time to see Boba Fett in a different suit? Uh, Hasbro would say so. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the driver. But, uh, yeah, it'll be cool. Like, really, like, we feel like we know him. But mm-hmm. there's precious little that's actually in the canon as to mm-hmm. what he was doing this whole time. Like, it, it's funny. My kid always, as she was getting into Star Wars, she'd complain about this character who she thought was going to be a big deal because she'd see all this merch all over the place. And then when she gets through the the OT she's like what the hell like why does everybody like this guy so much he literally has like four lines of dialogue (laughs) she now has a Boba Fett wallet so obviously her tune has changed since then but uh yeah like we don't know a lot about him so I'm fascinated to see how they fill in these pieces and build out his lore a bit so Mm -hmm. it, it should be cool and yeah, this this show will lend itself to some plastic, and you know, uh, shout out to Fennec Shand. She's a cool character. Yes, like she yep. was awesome in Mando, and they took her on quite the journey from hero to villain, and got to have a bit of time with her in the Bad Batch as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited, equally as excited to see what she brings to the show and what the two of them uh, get up to. So, yeah, all in, oh. man. It can't come soon enough because in that normal Star Wars space where we're going to see the Book of Ophet, we're not going to be seeing The Mandalorian Season 3. I think mid or pre-COVID, we had some indication that both of these were coming at a relatively similar time frame. Of course, offset from one another, so you're not having that overlap or that cannibalization inside of Disney+. Plus. But it does appear that Mando Season 3 is a lot further out than some of us, myself included, there, actually thought. We did have Carl Weathers, who does play Grief Karga, who took a a seat behind the lens, this one, as well as being in front of it. He was at a convention, Steel City Con, recently, and did have some words to say about them kicking off filming within the last couple of weeks or within the next couple of weeks here. So I assumed that they were well into filming of this one and we had just not heard about it. And to hear that we're getting into September timeframe here, and them just kicking off filming, it means we're looking at probably mid to late 2022 on this one. Mm -hmm. So we could see Andor, we could see maybe Obi-Wan before we get back into a Mando proper story, which is a bit shocking to me. Zeddy, you're nodding your head in agreeance here. Were you kind of of the same opinion Mm -hmm. that you thought Mando season three was coming a lot sooner than it Mm -hmm. appears to be? 
Yeah, I was because, you know, it felt like, you know, Mando was arguably the hottest thing, I don't know, in pop culture, certainly in Star Wars mm-hmm. at the moment. So, you know, on one hand, you know, why not continue to ride with your hot hand? Right. He's the guy that sold you all the toys that got you all the subscriptions, got you all the talk on Twitter, whatever you whatever you want to say weekly. So it was it felt like a no brainer to want to get that third season out, you know, as soon as possible, especially with the way that it ended. So it was uh, it's intriguing that, you know, because I know there was all those rumors of, you know, maybe it folds into Boba or vice versa and they're going to cross over somehow. And that's going to be our Mando season three inside of Boba Fett that uh boba fett series so it's uh it's interesting you know i mean obviously the mcu is kind of in that unique spot too right you know we're not seeing our main heroes right now they're kind of venturing off giving you these newer fresher more niche characters right now so not that anything in star wars is really niche but you know it's like they kind of relied on mando to kind of revive that star wars fan a little bit now it's like they think they got the confidence back so now they're giving you more of more, I wouldn't say risks, but, you know, more other characters, I guess. So, hopefully the wait isn't too long for Mando Season 3. I'm sure all of us would appreciate that. And uh, hopefully they're just taking this time to really make it right. That's what my hope Yeah, is. fingers crossed on that one. That was kind of my first thoughts when I heard about this, too, is that there could be some more inherent ties to the Book of Boba Fett, and they're trying to get that story out there. My hope is that the Book of Boba Fett is about Boba Fett, and it's not a Mando 2.5 where we're having a lot of seeds maybe churned inside of that to lead us into the season three that we do get independent story. But also on the other side of that is that maybe they're taking their time with Mando season three here to, to get it right. They, they nailed these two and Disney plus isn't heavily relying now on the Mando property, the way like you mentioned that it did for the last two years, it was the anchor before these MCU shows really got rolling. The pandemic threw a real wrench into that as well. So let's see. Mando season three, Carlos, this is something that I know you're looking forward to. We saw the handoff of Grogu. So this is going in a completely different direction. Bo-Katan, the Darksaber. It's going to be a big series, but it's going to be, I think, a very different from what we've experienced over the past couple of years with The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like just dabbling in the the Clone Wars stuff and Rebels, like all the... <clears throat> the lore surrounding the Mandalorians and their throne and the leadership and how it's associated to the dark saber. Like that's some pretty rich stuff and you should be able to get a fairly killer season mm-hmm. out of just the pull between the Mandalorian who doesn't want the throne, but it it's rightfully his right now and Bo-Katan who wants it, but is obviously going to be, I hope conflicted over battling to, uh, to some finality with her now uh, comrade in arms. And and I'm hoping that we get to see a bit of Grogu action, like maybe just in the background, like training mm-hmm. with Luke and stuff. I, I don't know that we'll get a Hamill-led Luke and Grogu story in its entirety, but, uh, you know, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. But, uh, you know, maybe if that's kind of your B story is the two of them doing the training thing. They, they certainly hired that deep fake kid. So yeah. <laughs> that that suggests that they have some plans for uh, a de-aged Mark Hamill in the immediate future, but we'll see what it brings. Yeah, because there's there's a character that's got probably the biggest question mark in on him inside of the Star Wars universe is this merch cash cow that is Grogu that doesn't have a clear path out of Mando season two. Like, where does this character go? Handing off to Ahsoka, you could make some pretty easy leap that you're going to see him inside of her show. But heading off to Luke in the way that they did, 
in the absence of it being a real focused story, maybe you're right, Carlos. I hadn't really even thought about that, that there would be a B plot line that focuses on Grogu because it's a character that is inherently connected to that Mandalorian story. I mean, when I say Mandalorian, I mean the show and maybe less so about what we're going to see the Mando go through inside of season three in his own story. But yeah, they kind of need that, don't they? Well, yeah, because you're not going to have a major presence by Gideon anymore, right? Mm-mm. And the Cara Dune stuff will be gone. So that'll be where you can take your time building out the Grogu and Luke stuff, if that's what they choose to do. And yeah, I'm just excited. I, I, I'm, I think it's in that perfect spot where we know just enough mm-hmm. to make some hypotheses, mm-hmm. but we don't know uh, anything as far as where they're going to actually take this thing. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's such an awesome space to be in. You look at what we have in front of us, too, inside of that Mando universe, if we can call it that, that connected Mando universe. We've got Ahsoka, Rangers of the Republic, this Book of Boba Fett, Mando Season 3, and they have promised some sort of grand crossover, MCU-esque crossover at some point Mm -hmm. down the road on Disney+. Plus. So there's so much going on inside of that space. It's such an exciting, you know, we can call it the Favreau-verse, the Filoni-verse, whatever. But inside of that, it's so exciting because these rich stories are being told and they have free reign to tell them, which is awesome, right? The handcuffs are off. These guys have no real restrictions, it appears, when it comes to who they can include in these stories. They're in a safe space. It doesn't infringe on maybe stuff inside of the sequel trilogy, which it seems like that they're done with. And it doesn't really have any major impact other than canonically tying and bringing characters forward from the prequel era or even the OT era. So there's there's so much storytelling to do in there, and it's so very exciting. But we all aren't only getting this Mando post-Return of the Jedi era of storytelling. We've got two big shows that are going to be landing with us inside of 2022, and that is Andor going back to pre-Rogue One time and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is filling in the space between episode three and episode four. So Zeddy, my dude, you know, we've got so much Star Wars mm-hmm. coming here and we've been really focused on that post Return of the Jedi era over the last couple of years and even the shows that we're going to see inside of that universe. But now stepping back into some eras that we're more familiar with that have been explored inside of comic books or literature in the form of young reader adaptations, young reader novels, even full on novels. What are you most excited for to see out of these two shows considering they're inside of timeframes that we're relatively familiar with. And the story has been quite fleshed out in some of these eras in particular. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's really an interesting question. Cause you know, I have two kind of different philosophies. Like obviously, you know, on the Andor side of things, you know, we're really going to see just how many people, I guess, loved Rogue One, you know, love the character of Andor, you know, I think a, uh political thriller, Star Wars show, I think that could be really, really cool. You know, I think that's why I think what made Rogue One so appealing was that it was really different and it did kind of fill some of those gaps and it gave a unique ending to one of the most beloved Star Wars movies of all time. So it's, uh, I certainly want to see more of this character. So that's going to be really interesting. I think it's only like, oh, I don't know, it might be what, six episodes yeah. or something. So it's, you you know that the, the storytelling is going to be tighter. It's going to be more connected in its own right you know it's gonna be more streamlined so i'm definitely looking forward to that but i'd be remiss guys if all eyes aren't on Mm -hmm. obi-wan right and rightfully so i mean i literally will not forget the last disney investors meeting when they announced 
the one and only Hayden Christensen was coming back. I was just on Twitter and just you want to see when Twitter blew up. That was when Twitter <laughs> blew up. That was like one of the most just craziest things. And I might be going out of limb here. This may be a hot take, but I don't know, guys. Like I think when we see Hayden Christensen and that Obi Wan show, it's gonna truly like reignite Star Wars. I think just it's gonna be like truly an epic mm-hmm. moment, just in of itself. I mean, we thought seeing Luke Skywalker was the greatest Star Wars thing and a television show that we ever saw. Just imagine what seeing Anakin Skywalker is going to feel like and Obi-Wan together. So I think these shows are going to do two different things for two different reasons. But I mean, nostalgia is higher than ever right now. Who did, who didn't stop loving Obi-Wan? I certainly yeah. didn't. So, uh, and you and McGregor is still one of the hottest guys around. So, uh, it's, I mean, just bring it on. I mean, hopefully, this show was worth the wait because I know Obi-Wan was one of those. When are we going to get it? When are we going to get it? I hope it lives up to the hype. I think it will, but, you know, Star Wars is seeing a resurgence, and I think it's going to be these two shows that truly, truly mm-hmm. do it. And it's a first step back for the Disney Plus into a familiar time frame inside of Star Wars 2 with both of these and characters that we've seen on the big screen in a major way. Yes, I know we got Boba Fett and all this coming and all that, but... It's in a different era. It's in an era outside of what we saw him on screen. So it's so exciting. And Carlos, I'm going to pull on that thread a little bit that 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 let Zeddy led there with regards to Hayden Christensen returning to this role inside of Obi Wan and how you're feeling about both of these properties that we're going to get them inside of 2022 with Star Wars really, really coming to a crescendo inside of Disney Plus inside of 2022 when it comes to really content coming out. You know, if we say an even spacing here, we're going to get something new every three to four months inside of Star Wars. Yeah, that'll be sweet to just have this like nice constant flow of um, Star Wars universe content to absorb and to enjoy with Andor. Like, uh, I could take or leave the main character, like, all due respect to our pal <laughs> Rick there. But uh, the, the thing that really appeals to me with Andor is just the prospect of really seeing uh, what life is like under the empire and building out to what becomes a new hope. So I I hope that they kind of play with that a bit that subconsciously you see why this universe and the galaxy is really hoping for um, who will be Luke Skywalker showing up uh, through a new hope and return of the Jedi kind of thing. Like, yeah, Cassian can run around and do his own thing, but I I really want to see them get into the minutia of, what life is like for the people that are inhabiting these worlds. So that'll be cool. And then Obi-Wan, like, man, you may or may not have a picture that really speaks to how deep my love of Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi goes to, to back in the old days. But uh, yeah, man, like I, I'm super excited for this. And the fact that they're playing up with how much of a role Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. has in this thing I'm super excited and I'm not really like Darth Vader. I need to see him like swinging a lightsaber around and stuff like that. But I think that there's like a ton of character to explore and you can't really do that with the faceless expressionless villain type of thing. So they're really going to have to get over um, that barrier. And I'm sure that they've come up with a genius and creative way to, allow Hayden Christensen a chance to shine in that role. And, uh, you know, like to this day, I always feel that we were kind of cut short with what we were promised Mm -hmm. with that 
uh, prequel trilogy in that, you know, there was an expectation having lived through the buildup of the prequel trilogy is that you would get to spend some significant time with a Darth Vader emerging type of thing. And um, that never happened. As we know, you kind of get the one scene. So to see him thrive over four, five, six, seven, eight hours type of thing, that'll be super cool, super Mm -hmm. cool. And uh, you know, we've got an animation and comic books and everything else, but nothing, nothing matches live action. Like that's, that's the star Wars bread and butter. So, yeah, and I'm and I'm happy for Hayden Christensen to get another kick at this thing and to come back and crush it and to have some people shepherding this thing that'll definitely like I have every confidence that Dave Filoni will allow that guy to shine. So yeah, yeah, it'll be cool, man. Yeah, and to your point too about what's been done, I guess I'm gonna say quote unquote canonically with Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader inside of the comic books and inside of the written word with things like Lords of the Sith and all that. It's all well and good. And it's really great stuff. The Charles soul run Darth Vader run was excellent. And it played a lot with the inner monologue of Darth Vader and the conflict with Anakin Skywalker. But you're right, Carlos to see this play out on live screen and whether they step all over that, I'm kind of okay with it to be honest with you, because Mm -hmm. like we talked about last week with the inner monologue of Bruce Wayne and Batman, that is a way you can play with this, right? Is an Mm -hmm. inner monologue is him in the back to tank is him having a conflict like inside of that Charles soul run he anakin skywalker fights Darth vader inside of anakin skywalker's head yeah and that's that's wicked like yeah to see something like that would be Mm mind-blowing and really add more dimensions and some agency to darth vader Mm -hmm. and probably make the turn in return of the jedi all that much more poignant and plausible really um yeah because you got this guy that's like yeah we'll wipe out this whole planet and then he's like ah this kid i don't know i feel bad for him maybe i should kill my boss like yeah <laughs> <laughs> there is star wars <laughs> <Da-da-da>. <laughs> yeah. no it is it the, that race to the turn right it, it's it's so abrupt it's almost like that prequel trilogy would be four or five episodes long like it was just there was so much to get him from the kid we saw in Attack of the Clones to the the menace that was Darth Vader in A New Hope, right? That is killing people both on his side and the rebel. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there's a huge leap to make there. And if you're not reading the comics, if you're not reading the books, if you're not buried inside of Stories Ken, which I know a lot of people are, myself included in that, especially the early days of it, but. I think they're going to need to tug on a lot of that to make this an engaging story. And you're right again, Carlos, retroactively make all of that stuff inside of the prequels better. Not make Mm -hmm. the films don't need themselves to be better, but I think some of the story and character work that we've seen done in other things makes things, the winter soldier effect, if you will, that Troy dubbed a few years ago, right? It makes things better by good storytelling after the fact. Mm -hmm. And the prequels have found this new era of love. I think inside a fandom where they're held to a much higher esteem than they were 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But that's because they had things like this uh, via the clone wars to kind of mm-hmm. flesh that out and to fill in those pieces with these characters that we didn't know about. So yeah, that man, it'll be so good. So yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's up there, man. There's so much great stuff coming on Disney plus. We're not going to see a Star Wars film until 2023 with Patty Jenkins, rogue squadron. 
So it goes to show how much effort, time, money, and creative brain power that's going into Disney Plus and how important storytelling on these streaming service platforms is because that is Star Wars for the next two years. The films will always have a special place and it's always going to be that event viewing of a Star Wars film. But the stories are going to be flushed out and told inside of this platform. So Yeah. So anybody that wants to cry about all the DC movies coming out on HBO Max, look at Star Wars. They look did, at Marvel. They actually did it first. Yeah. Look, look yeah. at Marvel too. Yeah. This is where all of it's happening. I think things like Batgirl is going to be a resounding success on those platforms and find new eyeballs mm-hmm. and going to find new ways to tell stories. Oh, yeah. No ba- it, no barrier for entry. Just yeah. sit down on your couch and enjoy. Exactly. Exactly, guys. So Star Wars, it's coming. December, you're going to see the crossover event, the Christmas time crossover event. Little eggnog, little rum, little this, little bourbon, little that, maybe a Bud Light or two. And we're going to be talking <laughs> about that first episode of Boba Fett. So really looking forward to that one. But, guys, that wraps up the news and our anchor discussion for this week. And we have to zip over to our Weeks in Nerd. So, Zeddy, you've listened to the shows for for quite some time now, and this is going to be your first experience with the now redubbed Our Week in Nerd, where we break down and talk about what we've done inside of Nerd this week when it comes to collecting, reading, watching. What have you been up to, my friend? Oh, man, that is a very, very vague question to ask me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I recently caught up on all my comics. So I got, uh, the first two issues of Tom Taylor's son of Kyle, which is beautiful. Nightwing 83 actually caused me to get the, uh, those two issues of son of Kyle. So if you haven't read Nightwing 83 and you're a DC fan, you're a Nightwing fan, you're a Superman fan. It is, there is a frame in that book that is, had me crying for about 10 minutes. So that. That led me to get Son of Kal-El, and that was a real treat. So on the comic side, I'm all caught up. So that's really, really nice. I'm so mad that I missed out on that McFarlane Batman figure that uh, oh, yeah. I missed out on that pre-order. So that was really, really bummed me out. But uh, what I did manage to get my hands on is I got the Zack Snyder's Justice yeah. League trilogy oh, yeah, baby. box set. The 4K Blu-ray set comes in some nice posters, uh, everything like that. So I got, uh, I got that whole trilogy on some 4K and Blu-ray. So... Added added to the DC collection all on all fronts. We Man, you would have made our boy Sonny proud with that. I didn't realize it was a, a trilogy <laughs> set. I thought it was just the Zack Snyder Justice League, like a Steelbook or a 4K version of that. That's cool that they did a, a full trilogy release. Yeah. Well, and that box set is gorgeous. It's one of the nicest ones going from what I've seen. Like the that they integrated the comic book art from the like the variant covers into the backgrounds of some of the discs, and yeah, it's. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. So, and, and as crazy as all that has been <laughs> for however many years, I think it's kind of cool that we, we you've kind of got this box set now. You can put it on your shelf. This exists. It's here. We're moving yep. forward, but it's always there, right? I, I kind of like that piece of it, and you know what I mean. It's it's going to be a relic of of the DC film universe forever, and it's to have it kind of nicely packaged up. And as Sanjay always says, there's nothing like 4k on a disc, a true 4k. So you're, you're, you're representing our boy there by picking that one up. So some sweet pickups there on Zeddy's side. Now, 
Carlos, expand a little bit here on this McFarland because I was unaware of this thing up until you guys. I saw you guys going back and forth on Twitter about it. When I opened it up, I was like, what in the holy hell is this thing? And Uncle Todd is a maniac for putting this into the real world. Yeah, like it's this Batman action figure. It's going to be so back in the day, Todd McFarlane did the covers for all and the interiors for a couple issues of Batman that fell over Batman year two. And so there's a page in there where Batman visits a graveyard to his parents' grave and that, and he's got that big glorious Todd McFarlane patented cape uh, as we see spawn rocking that is miles and miles long. (laughs) And so, yeah, uncle Todd, put out a figure that captures that panel and the figure with this cape comes on a graveyard diorama base. And this cape is got to be knocking on close to two feet long. It is insane. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is glorious. It's like this wonderful McFarland toys statue, but uncle Todd, he doesn't, he doesn't stop there because he knows that people are going to be coming at him for going back to those initial, McFarlane Toys days for having the quasi statue figures. So you can pop off this almost two foot cape and it comes with a set of arms and a cloth cape. So you have just a conventional McFarlane Toys style, sweet blue and gray, hashtag team yellow oval Batman (laughs) figure. So yeah, it is awesome. And I was blessed to have uh, our man Jared hook me up with a pre-order and took care of Troy as well. And yeah, he did two sets of them. Like he did a set that were signed that were target exclusive. And I know um, Zeddy's podcast and partners, the Crusoe's tried for that and it sold out in seconds. And then, uh, yeah, I was humming and hawing and Jared was like, dude, I'm just ordering these for you. Like just get over yourself and we'll <laughs> so- it'll it'll come out in the wash. And God, within a few hours, I guess, hey, Zed, like yeah, they dried up. So. We got We got to get. We got to mobilize a force here to get one of these for you, Zeddy. I'm sure you'll have some success, but we'll have. Let's make sure everyone keeps an eye out on this one. Yeah, it'll happen, man. I'm <laughs> sure there'll be a few like in store in that, and mm-hmm. and who knows, or even on his like little website and stuff like that. So, what did it retail for? It was like fifty bucks American, I believe, over here. That was for the pre order, I believe. Um, okay, I think. To have the signed one, I think was close to ninety bucks U.S. So uh, <laughs> either way you look at it, you know it's like a, a thirty bucks differential. I think so. Well, it's like it's like <laughs> to put an equivalency, it's about a four hundred dollar Marvel Legend. So <laughs> 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 the cape that I I honestly, guys, when I saw Oof. it, I could not believe that this was a McFarlane six whatever it is six seven inch scale figure that was being put to retail and and good on them for doing pre-orders the way they did too right because you don't want these things rotting on shelves because then they won't do it again Mm -hmm. and so to have these things gobbled up that quick means that there's an audience for it and it means that they're going to do other crazy wild stuff like that in the future yeah it's cool man like the guy is just so audacious with his line that Mm -hmm. yeah like hats off to him and he swings for the fences all the time and he does a ton of stuff that i'm like Honestly, who aside from me is going to buy this? But it's obviously selling. 
mm-hmm. when he's making stuff like that. So ah, but so good. What yeah. else did you get up to, man? You get to uh, get out in the hunt, reading some comics. Yeah, other than uh, other than Nightwing and Son of Kal El, I uh, that's uh, that's about it for me. And I also did do Superman seventy eight. That was um, that's a beautiful issue. Yeah. If you uh, if you're looking to get back into Superman seventy eight, either watching the movie for the first time, or just looking for your little dose of nostalgia, I think that should do the trick. That was uh, put put that John Williams score on and and read, read yourself a little Superman seventy eight by Robert Vendetti. I, I think you won't be disappointed. Yeah, it was pretty magic, eh? Like it, they, with yeah. that simple art, like it captured the feel of those movies pretty perfectly. That's, yeah. that's awesome, man. And really and don't good. sell you guys short here. You know, you've been watching Titans over on Oof. HBO Max. And you guys have been chronicling that over at uh, Vigilante 1939 as well. And so I've actually been listening. I don't watch a show, but I've been listening to to your breakdowns. And it's got me a bit itchy, this new season that you guys have been breaking down, the enthusiasm you have behind it, and some of the cool stuff that I'm hearing about the Bat family and all that. Yeah, it's uh, if you, uh, you know, Titans is, is a weird one. You know, it's, it's one of those, like, it truly is, what I call an Elseworlds take, you know, if you can, if you can accept the world that Titans is in, you know, it's more enjoyable, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very like Man of Steel and BVS-ish, you know, which is, I know a little off-putting for, for most people, but you know, it is more of a darker, more realistic approach, you know, to the Titans world. Um, but there's a lot of good, there's some bad, but, <laughs> um, to see those characters, you know, on screen like that, it's pretty it's pretty good and you know i think uh they're doing red hood this season i think they're killing it so yeah i think titan season three is the season for you absolutely and that, that's it's a beautiful part too about both marvel and dc doing these multiverse elseworld stories and all that and if you can come to accept the universe or if you don't like it hey guess what you got superman and lois over here because everyone mm-hmm. loves that one yeah. so there, there's a little something for everyone being put out there and that they can go beyond the, the kind of canon, everything needs to be connected sort of storytelling, especially DC. Like, they're doing this very, very well. And there's all these little niche spaces, and there's room to tell a rated R Titan story, it seems, that is being successful. So I love I love to hear that, that, that you guys are enjoying it and that it's hitting a, a kind of a niche market too as well. Absolutely. Carlos, what did you get up to this week, man? You, you, uh, you actually came by my house, and you left me with a nice little... Uh, batman present here Got a little yeah. hot toy or hot wheel not hot toy not hey. hot toy maybe a hot toy maybe <laughs> yeah if i win that lottery man i'll hook you up yeah but he, he it is it is a hot yeah, toy he did hook me up with the uh the battinson batmobile here the little hot yeah. wheels toy which i love which got me a little itchy for other batman merchandise <laughs> yeah man you're you're hyped for the batman it uh it brings me joy. So yeah, I opportunity presented itself and, and there you go. So nice. that is awesome. And to be honest, man, my weekend nerd, I'm going to focus all on the community because that's where it was at. So big J Jared, my man, we already talked about you hooking me up and making sure that the goddamn Batman has the goddamn Batman <laughs> figure. And so <laughs> Troy and I are extremely grateful that you uh you went out of your way you you had to push me to get it on lock and i'm very happy that uh that we got that guy all secured up and then uh speaking of troy we went to shang chi and 
afterwards there was a bit there was a bit of box swap and it was hilarious everybody's trunks go open i'm sure calgary police service were surveilling us because <laughs> out of troy's trunk comes a massive box and it goes into sanjay's trunk full of uh dvds and blu-rays that he wanted to pass on out of my trunk comes a mcfarland toys box with the platinum edition Affleck Batman for Troy. And then Troy hands me a bag and it's got this tight knot in it. And I was like, Oh dude, like, and it's kind of late. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to rip this open because stuff's going to go flying everywhere. I'll open it the next day. And man, this guy just blows my mind. So in there, he bequeathed onto me the Marvel legends, like the retro figures. He got me a gray Hulk. Cause he knows I love the Hulk and uh gray Hulk is my jam. So it's cool and just like that that box art like it's amazing but extremely dangerous because like every time i'm in the aisles and i was like well i'd like you know matt murdoch's my boy i should probably have (laughs) a daredevil as well in that and speaking of matt murdoch the other thing that he gave me was a uh, daredevil in his yellow costume marvel legends figure so this thing was exclusive to walgreens and and he had it and of course being he had the, it. Yeah, Since Craven the, the Hunter. Master, yeah, exactly. Being the master customizer, he needed he needed to do some things. But yeah, this gorgeous yellow costumed Daredevil figure he he uh, sent my way, and he's proudly displayed there up with Frank Castle on my uh, on my shelf in the office. And then uh, he gave my daughter Cal Kestis the original version, oh, rocking. Nice. Yeah, and it's cool because that figure actually has like the outfit that I had on my Cal. And so she has a cow wearing like the poncho look. And then we got the other cow with like the vest look and stuff. So it it's cool. And she was like just beside herself over that. And a Action Comics 1000 Superman McFarlane figure. But not just any Action Comics 1000 Superman figure. A Troy the Boy custom into the Kingdom Come version of Superman. Oh. And Whoa. like... Man, like we all know that this guy's got muscles on top of muscles, but like his dexterity in his fingers, like he perfectly painted like the black into the costume, this perfectly realized belt, the little white streaks in the hair. It, man, it's gorgeous. And then on top of that, he threw a cloth cape on this guy. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel blessed every wow. time one of these creations comes into my house. So. Yeah, it it is cool. It is cool. So it, I was so overjoyed with it that a text or a DM couldn't suffice. I had to call that guy and interrupt his work day to just <laughs> heap praise on him as to uh, what all the treats that he passed on in this bag. And then speaking of heaping praise, like I had thrown out on there, like my daughter started like a little art page that she's uh, – rocking on instagram there and she's been uh like just kind of on her own doodling around and she like made like a female version of sweet tooth and then she's like decided to take up doing fashion but doing like kind of fashion versions of the suicide squad costumes so she's got like a lady all posed up with a fashionable version of the polka dot man's costume if ever there was such a thing and so anyways um i kind of caught her and her little girlfriend going back and forth about people paying attention and getting like a new follower or two and just how much that this fueled her desire to be on her iPad and drawing and creating and stuff. So I kind of threw it up there on Twitter and then our boy grabs latched onto this and he promoted it. And a few more people latched onto this guys like Kevin, you and uh, 
folks were going over and visiting her page and giving her likes and giving her follows and stuff. And then our man Zeddy here and his partner in crime, Nico Crusoe, they like supercharged this thing. They were tagging in the cast of the Suicide Squad. And then uh, our girl uh, <clears throat> Lauren on the House of Nerd and our boy Ian, who's actually dabbled in the fashion industry as well. Given her feedback, has prompted a whole bunch of new creations. And then Nico got Diana Melchor, who's the Rat Catcher 2, to give a like to this to this tweet. And man, this thing inspired a litany of art pieces and like I got drawings all over my house now on paper with felt <laughs> markers and everything else. And uh, it culminated awesome. with uh, a Rat Catcher 2 pink hair dye going into her hair on Sunday. So, Nico, I love you. My towels dislike you. But, uh, you know, man, shout out to everybody in the community. If I if I mismention you by name, like, honestly, like those messages and the likes and everything else, they warm my heart bring a tear to my eye and did so much to really supercharge the enthusiasm of my little girl for being in this kind of creative space and drawing and directly attached to the fandom too. I know it's weird that this little kid is super in love with the suicide squad and is doing art designs based on it, but uh, Hey, it's all good. So, um, you know, thanks from the bottom of my heart to everybody who did that. And like, honestly, you can't top a weekend nerd with uh with anything like the community this is what it's all about so that's why i love being part of the podcast and interacting with everybody out there and it was wonderful so thank you that's awesome man that's awesome it was uh yeah it was quite a thing to watch that thing kind of ping around the community and then go beyond it as well it was awesome big shout out to her for for flexing those creative muscles and and doing her own thing which is awesome like I, i love that originality behind it and and where she's going with it. So it's, uh, it's great to, to see the encouragement and, and her taking a lot away from that. So yeah, an extra shout out to everyone out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. When Ian said that she had some skills, uh, you, you could see the, the shoulders pull back a little bit and the chin raised a bit higher. It's like, yeah, he's, he's actually in the fashion gig. And then I love eavesdropping on the conversations that she has with her friends <laughs> after the fact with all the feedback from, from the peeps out there. So yeah, very cool. Thank you to everybody out there. Awesome. Well, that one's a hard to follow for, for me on this one, but I, I'm going to take a cue from our Star Wars discussion because last week I talked about how I was paring down my Marvel Legends and my Star Wars and opening things and moving things out and send some stuff to Dave and all that. And I find myself after watching that galleries episode very much back in tune with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a bit of a Star Wars heavy weekend. Not only did I get my gift, one of my gifts for my birthday, finally into the house, is the Imperial Probe Droid Lego set, the kind of statuesque looking one in the very black cool. box. So that, that came into the nerd room. I did a little bit of Facebook Marketplace hunting and I. Pulled some more Power of the Force 2 figures, those 1995 figures that you see everywhere. I pulled a couple more back into the house, one being Boba Fett. I got a Lando, and I also got the 95 R2-D2. So I made a decision that I'm my Star Wars collecting right now is going to be... Well, I made a decision before this last thing I'm going to tell you, but is going to be Power of the Force 2, 95, 96, 97 focused, as well as 
Phantom Menace focus as well in the 3-3 quarter inch. I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the Black Series. But then Sunday rolled around, and I found the Boba Fett Deluxe figure, Return of the Jedi, on sale on Amazon, Black Series. So my first Black Series purchase in quite some time was Boba Fett. Hmm. And it, it just kind of goes with the theme of the year for Star Wars being Boba Fett, three and three quarter inch from Power of the Force, and also my Return of the Jedi Black Series Boba Fett. So very excited to have some more Star Wars back in the house. But my favorite thing from this weekend, and this one is going to be full audio because I picked up the the Calm Link or the Calm Tech, <laughs> I should say, from 1999. And you guys, you guys remember these little chips? Like I, you got to hear the. <laughs> it's so bad, but so good. <laughs> it's it's so mechanized in the speech that it. That's awesome. <laughs> Zombie Jar Jar. In 1999, I oh, opened gosh. it up, and it takes a freaking nine volt battery. Don't have any of those in my house. My wife was out. I texted her, bring me back a nine volt battery. I popped this thing in. I didn't quite remember like how mechanized it was up until the moment I pushed the buttons. And I was like, like immediately shifted back to my 14 year old self playing with this thing. And my daughter and I, we had charger out because all the, the Comtech chips and all with each figure, they have kind of their own sayings and all that. That was just the, the one that comes with it. But we had so much fun just going through and her asking me, but why does it sound like this? It's because it was made in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this crazy looking, I guess it's the communicator that Qui-Gon uses, but it's got just like, just great sound effects on it. And when you're playing as a kid with Star Wars and you got the ability to have lines from the films and all, it's, it was just such a cool thing for me and it brought back a lot of nostalgia so i had some fun on on facebook marketplace this week and revisiting star wars and collecting in star wars and again i got myself all amped up for us and it may or may not have <laughs> inspired one of the main topics of this episode here too oh we were overdue man so that's all perfect it's all it's all karma it is man it is and so that that really wraps it up for this week and in our weekend nerd and with this weekend nerd at the top end there guys i hope you have as much fun inside of fandom as as we are and it was it was a pleasure being able to express that that love and that joy for everything that we're looking at and everything that is coming down for us to read see experience and i'm just so happy that we got to do that here with you zeddy and you know i know it was a last minute call and this guy saw the signal go up in the air and here he is podcasting with us. So Zeddy, my man, when you get an opportunity to pump some of the stuff that you guys are doing over at Vigilante 1939. Oh, thank you guys so much. You guys are truly some of the best people in this fandom. And I truly, truly, truly mean that, you know, whenever you guys light up that nerd room signal, I'll always, I'll always come <laughs> hopping on some rooftops for you guys any day of the week. Uh, but you guys can follow me on Twitter at Zeddy is that's Z E D D Y I S because much like Batman, I am whatever Twitter needs me to be. <laughs> Sometimes that really is the truth. Uh, you can find the show that I co-host at Vigilante nineteen thirty nine on Twitter and wherever else you get your podcasts at. Uh, we just released a new episode this coming Monday where we reviewed uh, Shang Chi. That's a spoiler review, just a heads up. Uh, the latest episode of DC Titans, and we just talked about 
the latest rumblings surrounding DC Phantom because that'll be here really right before we know it. So uh, another great episode in the can here and um, getting ready to kind of buy our Venom tickets and see what else is coming up in comic book culture. So thank you guys so much again for having me on. It's truly a blast always talking to you guys. Man, the pleasure is is truly all ours, and we appreciate it. And I can't endorse what you guys are doing over there at Vigilante 1939 enough, and so much so that we've partnered up to bring our a new show to a new live stream show to the world in the form of four questions about fandom, and that is dropping September 17th. So you're gonna see both crews over on the live stream asking our secret questions and having a nice debate. Well, maybe tipping one or two whatever your, your, your preference is there. And we're trying to bring a new element to our discussions is, is stepping outside of our weekly chronicling of what's coming, what's here, and what we're going to see, and kind of getting into the moment, into fandom, and, and being a bit more abstract about things, having a real raw conversation. So the first episode is going to be over on the Nerd Room YouTube page. So you can go over there September 17th, I believe at 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m., central 9 p.m eastern so kind of the usual time we do the things and we're gonna have a lot of fun with this one this is going to be an ongoing monthly show is our plan with that as well so make sure to go check that out and for us here in the nerd room if you want to be a bigger part of this show you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com you can find everything we do at the nerdroom.net the hunt is real you can find it over on instagram at the nerdrm you can see our pickups there's some stuff that carlos and i both threw up there over the weekend so you can see what we talked about this week in our week in nerd and twitter like zeddy said we're always hanging out there having those conversations you can find all of our handles including the missing sunjays at the end of the episode next week hopefully guys we'll be having our shang chi review our spoiler review of that breaking that down and letting carlos here guide us through the world of reviews in movies but until then and with all that being said for the nerd room i'm tim and i'm batman and guys big round of applause for our guests here zeddy and again it's it's a pleasure so we will talk to you guys next week and thank you so much for entering the nerd room this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.